Not your average operator. This is Mike again this week, uh, taking over the show, uh, back by popular demand, I should say. Uh, it's been an interesting few weeks of, of uh, running it. My back is extremely sore from uh, carrying the show, say the least. But uh, we have a very special guest here today. Everybody, let's let's welcome back Melon from from Down Under. Yeah, back from Down Under. That's right. We're home. A great trip. We're away for a long time. And honestly, I will say that your last couple of episodes, mate, have been absolutely, they were awesome episodes, you and Jeremy, absolutely tore it up. I really got a lot out of listening to you guys talk. And uh, yeah, we can talk about that a bit more, but yeah, home, back back in the land of the sand and it's, it's pretty warm and it's dry and we were cold and wet. It was in winter, we'd just come from winter to the middle of the summer, ah. but uh, it's come home and you know, you see their little faces and they're stoked and yeah, a lot of, uh, it is funny how home is home, you know, home is where your, your family are and when your little people are happy and your missus is happy and you're happy too. No, get on with it. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I can definitely see the, uh, the, uh, the attitudes changed since you got home. You know, it was all smiles and frothies down in Australia and running around and you got timelines to meet and, oh, we got to be here. We got to be there. We got to drive, you know, 400K or whatever it was that we got to get to, you know, from here, we got to go to Melbourne. We got to go over and, it, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but I think everybody can relate when you go on vacation or you go home and everybody wants to see you and it's been a long time. It's kind of like an extension of work in a way because you're on schedule and you're like, uh, here's my time to have fun. Here's my time to relax. But then you're, well, am I going to see you? Are you coming? You were supposed yeah. to be here an hour ago. What am I chopped liver? You know, it's like, that is actually, that is actually true. You know and I mean? That does happen when we go home and this time in particular, we had nine day lockdown for the last nine of our days in uh, Melbourne. They go hard. They don't, they don't muck around in Australia. They had 10 cases in the city of Melbourne, so of COVID. So then they locked down the whole state. So somewhere around six and a half, seven million people, people like 300 miles away, 400 miles away and a little town, they couldn't go to their houses either. However, and that, I think that got to like 60 or so. However, in between these uh, lockdowns, Australia, there's no COVID, you know, the, the footy stadiums are full. We got a hundred thousand people watching Australian blokes kicking a, kicking a footy around. And uh, nightclubs are full, and there's no mask wearing or anything in the, in the in between. So they are doing well. I just wish they'd get on with the uh, the vaccination as an aside. You guys have done that well. But you take a, a planned two week visit to see family and friends, and you lock down for nine days before flying out, and you you're doing that with some people who are a bit upset that you didn't get to see them. And you know it's a bit of a downer for the end of a trip. Yeah, I bet that was rough, man. And I know we talked the other day, you know, well, when you guys were there, you were finishing up and everything. But I know we also talked about it, too. Just when was that yesterday morning when you, when you called and we were just chatting for about an hour? And there's a lot worse places that you could be in lockdown or be living, you know. I mean, you guys were set up in a nice, uh, you know, Airbnb for a bit and, and hanging out and you were in Australia. With Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's absolute gratitude. Like this is a first world issue, you know, like we were in a lovely apartment right next to the city of Melbourne. They don't call it downtown. I try to call it the CBD, the central business district. So right next to all the big buildings and, you know, our, so our five kilometer ring that we could take our tour exercise in included like beautiful gardens and river, riverfront and, you know, one night we'd had a <laughs> we had a little bit of a party in the apartment. Chair and I went for our uh, our two hour exercise at, at like literally at one a.m. So I went for a walk out in the dark, and you know the city was actually a really it was like you're in a, in a zombie film. Like there was not no cars, all the lights were out everywhere, sort of thing. Uh, you know, no one driving around. We saw three people in two hours. They were all security guys, just and you're like, this is a beautiful experience, you know, and. There's a lot of really, really good things, you know, and I'm definitely not, I don't want to harp on and make my experience sound bad. It was only because I wanted to see family and loved ones and stuff that it was, 
impactful, but you know, it's a, it's a blip. It's a blip. You know, we were, we were still happy there and, and, and having a great time, you know, like our kids just roll with it. They were still doing school every day on their online school back here to Saudi. So like the, the further East we went, the later it got. So by the time we got to Melbourne, it was like the kids would log on at 5 PM and go through to like, you know, 10 30. And they're just little troopers and uh, being, you know, Annie being in an apartment, she's got a, a keyboard gets dropped off. Yes. Shout out to my friend, my best friend Jacinta from Melbourne. She drops over a keyboard 30 minutes after we get there. And so it's like hours and hours of uh, Queen and Metallica. And <laughs> yeah. I love so it. So there's worse, there's worse things to do and worse places to be. And, and I still got, I still got frothies delivered. I got Jimmy Brings down there. He guy comes over and drops off beer for you. Well, it's survival at this point. So of course you need beer. You know, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the best things I liked about you know your trip was when you guys were in a lockdown. You you guys were allowed out two hours per day for exercise, correct? Yeah, that's right. And I get a phone call from Melon and his family, and they're out front. There's a street there, and they're outside in the grass on the median, in the middle of the two roads, having a picnic, and they're just like out there having some beers, having a picnic, out there just enjoying the sun and the weather and everything. And he's like, what's up, mate? He's like, we're on the media. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's <laughs> right out front and it makes sense. It's nice. The grass is nice. And I can, can completely relate to that because uh, being in the Middle East, there's no, there's no grass. So like when you come back to like any Western society or any place with just soft grass and you can take your shoes off yeah. and like, put your toes in grass. Oh, it is a whole nother experience. Like it is amazing. So like I would probably be doing the same thing, man, but I just really they've got like, like a, they got, they got a suburb just immediately North of the city. It's, in, it's the next suburb. It's called Carlton. And that's where uh, pretty much all the Italian migrants came to Australia in the fifties post uh, world war two. And they just brought their food and coffee and pizzas and all that sort of stuff. So that's how our effectively our little Italy. And so we went down there and picked up some just, Italian, Italian beers and uh, some sandwiches and stuff, takeaway, takeaway only. And, and uh, the streets are really nice and wide and there's no, there was no traffic. And so we were like, we could have walked for another half hour to find a park or there was this massive wide median strip, you know, and we just were like, oh, we're just going to sit right here. It was a beautiful, clear day. I don't know, probably like 50, 55 Fahrenheit, like about 17 Celsius and clear and good friends and like one good friend and, and our family and the kids were happy. And what more do you want? You know what I mean? If you can't, if you can't be happy with a, a cold beer and a beautiful sandwich in the sun. And as, as you're saying, like lying on the grass, just taking it all in. And I wanted to share that with my mate, Mike, he needed to see it. Oh, it was great, man. I was, I was sitting here. And I was like, man, it sucks during lockdown. You know, I wonder, you know what they're doing. I know Annie was playing the piano, which is great. Uh, but I was just like, man, they go all that way to sit there and then they're in lockdown. And then literally, I think within the hour, I get a phone call and it's the video chat of them on a media and holding some beers. <laughs> and I'm like, like, <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? They're like, just enjoying it, mate. And just like taking it all in. And just, you know, like you said, they're, they're just straight up being grateful for what they had and making the best out of a, you know, shitty situation. And it was just like, man, like, that's a great spot. To Wait, be. we're also really, um, we're sort of blessed, you know, that as you just said, like it is a problem when you go home, when you live a far away and you know it too, when you get back to the Yinzers, you know that everyone wants to see you and you got your mates and your family. And sometimes you can't get to see everyone. And, and this was our first trip for two years. So there's like a lot of people we wanted to see. My brother, Hugh, shout out to the Hugo, had uh, rammed this first Saturday full. And another mate, Jeremy, who I went to school with, I've got a whole bunch of mates I've stayed really close with. I think maybe because I joined the military and went away, you know, we sort of every Christmas I'd come home and we'd all catch up then, you know, and I think that's really the main time that they'd see each other. But anyway, on the, the Saturday morning, went down and uh, Michael played rugby with his cousin Angus because they're six months apart. They got a game in with the two dads on the sideline shouting at them. And then my brother had to peel off. And uh, that just coincidentally happened to be the day we were there was the army open day his local uh, unit where he's, uh, he's, he's one of the uh, infantry officers there, a, a reservist. You know, he's gone full-time again with the coronavirus and so on. And so it just happened to have a situation where our sons could handle a lot, you know, real firearms and <laughs> put campaign on and 
it was like the whole thing was just organized for the for the McFadden family. It was like my sister came, my brother was there, all the kids were running around campaign on and nerf guns shooting at each other and <laughs> and he got to drive around in a in a in a big truck with a, a senior uh like an E E eight driving the truck around. He just loved it with all these little kids in the truck. And then so that was like the day. And then for the for the dinner, they've got a, a thing in Australia, the Return and Services League, which is like a post-World War One. The veterans all got together and would meet and uh, they started bars and clubs together. And it's a non, non-profit, still going now. My brother's on the board of one, uh, the Hampton RSL, the ARI, as they say in Australia, because RSL is too long. So we went down there and had a beautiful... Uh, I, I, do you guys do a schnitty with like... Uh, chicken parmigiana does that mean anything to you in america a schnitty what, what the hell is a schnitty so a big chicken breast or veal that's been flattened and crumbed it's been fried is a schnitzel and then on the top of that if you get a uh, like a bolognese sauce and then cheese and it goes under the grill that changes from a schnitzel to a to a uh, parmigiana but that's too 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 many syllables for australian so that's a parmy <laughs> so a, yes, a chicken yeah. or veal a chicken or steak palmy with chips is like in every pub in Australia. It's like you can judge everything you need to know about that that pub because they normally come with a pint of beer. You get a pint of beer, you get your chicken palmy, and you know everything you need to know about the management and chef and everything. And so that was we were back in Australia, and that was uh, that was the dinner. And then the next day we got up and went over to my mate Jeremy. He's a recently returned uh, expat from uh, London, and so he knows. He's like, man, you're going to be r- running around, running off your feet, trying to catch up with everyone. I'm going to just organize a big barbecue at my house and get all the boys over with all the wives and kids. So he he knew the pain and he just sorted that out. And would just this great day of seeing everyone, all the kids playing together and standing there clinking, you know, beers with mates I've known for more than 30 years. Like like some mates I met when I was nine, we're still friends. And, and then the lockdown happened like two days later. Oh. And so I was like, that... That first weekend, you know, sort of rammed full and I was really grateful for that later that, uh, you know, my brother and my mate Jeremy had really put a lot of effort into to getting that that full so there can't be any complaints. That, that's very nice of him, man. You know, every time I go home, uh, like I'm trying to go home for the 4th of July for a couple of days and uh, want to see some friends. But yeah, the whole Christmas thing like you're talking about is home is home, you know, so like every time I, I go back home to see family and everybody, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a good feeling. Like it's, there's something in the air. Maybe I don't know what it is, but it just feels different. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. But it's so nice when, when, uh, one of your friends or your mates can just throw together a thing and be like, Hey, we're just getting all the guys together because I think everybody wants to do that. But then it's always just like taking that first step or throwing it out there of like, hey, do we want to do something? Well, yeah, but I don't know what. I don't want to take lead on it, you know, because everybody's got life. But uh, it's so nice when it all comes together and then you're just out there enjoying it and making memories. I mean, that's that's the whole point is to hang out and have memories together and stuff. So, I mean, no, that's, I, that's absolutely fine. it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then and then seeing these people and reconnecting and talking and you know like you got that layered uh friendship you just got so much experience built up on top of it you know now at 45 i really appreciate these 30-year friendships you know like 20 30-year relationships where you you really know you know everything about that person you know their mum and dad you know that that guy's dad smacked all of you when you were bad <laughs> when you were kids and you know and you snuck in a few drinks together with these guys when you were kids and had a lot of first experiences. And it's just a beautiful thing to be able to maintain those friendships over time. And, uh, you know, when a mate, when a mate, sorry, do you you still call their dads like Mr. Oh oh, yeah. You know, there's no, there's no chance. There's zero chance. I could say any of my parents first names, like zero. (laughs) Like, could you could you call your mates dads by their first name? I can't. Like, like Doctor Tony, no. you know, like his dad comes around or whatever, and I always address him <laughs> as Mister. Like, I, I, and he's like, you don't need to call me that. And I was like, I know I don't, but like, I know I grew up with you, and like, I, I, respect, I respect him for one, but two, it's just like, no, 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 no. There's a line there, and I don't care who I am, how old I, <laughs> or what I do. Like, you will always be Mister to me. 
you know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind of funny. And like we, you know, we grew up in a different era as well. Like I think kids now do use adult first names a bit more, you know? Um, when I was a kid, that was absolutely not acceptable. My neighbor, Mr. Shields, his first name was Ronnie, had a cat called Moggy. And my dad was in the in the shed doing some work. And I was calling, I was calling to the cat, Moggy. I must have been about four. And my dad just looked up and called me over. He's like, Were you just calling Mr. Shields Ronnie? And I was like, It was the cat. It was the cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no chance. There's no chance I could call a, a friend's father by his first name. No chance. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah, I agree. I would. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't. I don't mess in that. Uh, I don't mess with that line. Mm-mm. So then, you know, we had a big long break there in Oz, and just getting back here, like it's a long, it's a long old trip to get back. It's probably about twenty eight hours door to door to get back to to the home. We got back, and we just Cherry and I just have been thinking and planning and considering because we've got a, a second half of July. There's a two week vacation here. And it's like, where do we go? We can't go to Australia for two weeks because there's a two-week quarantine. You finish your quarantine, get back, get back on a plane, be late back to work, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, last night we bought tickets to come over to the stateside. So, so we're going to be heard. lobbing in. We're going to be lobbing in. You and I are going to be in the same space for the first time ever. And yeah. We're going to clink. We're going to clink glasses together and froth is going to spill over the side and there will be much happiness yeah, talk about uh, for for me personally. You know, I've been nonstop with work and school for the last three, four months straight, and you know, I'm pretty much, I'm I'm starting to get burned out. I'm hitting my wall, and I feel it. You know, I got to go to work today for uh, probably about twelve hour day, day into nighttime, and get done like sometime in the middle of the night. So um, I'm kind of feeling it myself, plus doing schoolwork and everything. So I'm like ready for it, and. Uh, Melon hits me up and he's like, Hey mate, you know, what's going on? Have we got this two week little thing going on? And, uh, me and the family, we, we want to come out and visit you and spend some time and meet your, meet your mom and, um, your brother and all this stuff and take us around. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just kind of like so uplifting to hear it. And again, for, for people listening, Melon and I have never met in person, like me, his family, or anything We our whole relationship has been here on the podcast by FaceTime talking to him in Australia or Saudi. So uh, this is kind of like unprecedented in, in a way. And uh, we're going to uh, look into buying a uh, or well, renting a beach house down at the beach and uh, invite my mom, my brother and a bunch of people down and just kind of get everybody together and just have a awesome week in uh, next month. And just, uh, yeah, dude, I'll give you the tour. I'm going to have my brother bring down a whole case of Iron City beers so he can partake in Iron that. City. And you can have a little taste of home. And uh, yeah, man. I'm Don. I'm Don. Don. Yeah, we're going to get it from Don Tan and get some Iron Beer. So yeah. I'm but we, 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 it takes a long time to organize the whole thing. And there's a, obviously a lot of hoops with, you know, where, which countries can you travel to and where can you go through and trying to figure it all out. And, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd be pretty upset if it doesn't happen now. Cause we sort of did the research and we booked the tickets last night it was a couple of hours and it's like, I'm so looking forward to being there. And I was absolutely stoked when you said your mum and uh, Jeremy might be able to get there as well. It's funny. Right? Like, I feel like I know him, you know? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you know, you know more about my brother than I did for a while because I didn't know a lot of that stuff. You know, you're talking about that, those last two episodes and I don't want to say that was spur of the moment type thing, but it was something that, you know, I was watching a show, it was after Memorial Day and I always call him after Memorial Day, Veterans Day, um, Armed Forces Day, you know, and we just kind of talk about things and I always tell him thanks for what he did. You know, I really take that to heart and, um, and also too, I was up in, uh, you know, I went to Arlington and re- did some research and everything. So it was just kind of like everything kind of led to it. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? I think this is a conversation that definitely needs to happen, not just for him and I, but also for uh, my, my mother and some of our family and even some friends, because I think when you're gone for so long, I know, I know like some of my best friends growing up 
uh, we just don't see that much, see each other that much anymore. And they're always, you know, I go home for Christmas, I run into them, they're like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, what's life been like? And, you know, how's this going? Whatever, like, what was the worst day you've ever had? And, you know, like all this stuff. And it's just like, man, I don't know how to unpack 14 years and five minutes. So uh, hearing some of those stories coming out from him and I uh, definitely was very healthy. Uh, but also we learned a lot about each other. But also our family has has a lot of them have listened to it and they just have a whole new understanding of what like me and my brother went through and what what we gave up and, and what we had to do and uh, to be where we're still at. Like I've had a couple reach out, even friends, too, and just be like I'm, I'm really impressed with more of like your resolve than like what you went through, like what you went through was really tough, but to still like maintain and keep that balance and keep moving forward like you guys are doing pretty good so it's like well i'm glad I really like that line really like that line that it's not it's not what you did it's who you did it for like yeah. I, there's a lot of power in that listening to you two guys talk you know like i i got brothers as well and like any brother you know you're all gonna have you if you're gonna have a run-in it's gonna be with your brother you know and hearing about you and jeremy getting after each other and big old cut through his tattoo and all, all, like all that stuff. And then him being so much older than you, well, that's a big gap. <clears throat> you know, he's, he's gone while you're still at school. Mm -hmm. And to be able to come together as grown men and talk to each other as men and ask each other serious questions, you know, like the, the episode, they're really beautiful episodes, man. And, and uh, because people don't ask, ask those questions of each other. You're just like, what did you do? And how's your day? And what's going on with the family? And how's work? And that's often as far as we ever get, you know, for you to, for him to ask you, like, what is the most, the experience you had with the most fear? Or for him to talk to you about what it was like when he was shot. Like, they're extraordinary things to hear. For him to hear for the first time what it was like for your mum when he called. That's... That's stuff that would never come up to anyone, you know, and I just take my hats off to both of you guys that you, that you took the time and you approached it like that. And I have, I have no doubt that I, for you two, this is something that will bring you together in a way that was never going to just happen on its own. Close though you already probably were. I just mean that there'll be a connection you have and a respect and an understanding, but also your whole family now, they have a digital record and I'm sure that there's going to be, generations of uh people in your family and your extended family who are going to have that those that those two episodes are going to be something you know like if i had a a record like that of my dad or my grandfather that'd be something i'd cherish and hearing them talk man to man and laugh and banter and you know talk about funny times but because both of you had the experience of combat it's a very rare very unique conversation both the great episodes man I really like what you just told me before this episode of, of having that record. And I, and I didn't think of it that way, but you know, we, t we talked about Memorial Day episode about having a collection, making a binder, like a record of like military service in your family. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people out there, we, we all have somebody in our family or, or know someone that's in the service. And you see this old picture from like World War II and they're like, oh, my grandfather was in the war. You know, but it's a still picture and there's like a little bit of information there. But imagine if you could like, you know, I know they have those video picture frames and stuff, different things. But like it, it kind of leads into that. Like what happens if you could press play on a picture in time and, and hear a conversation about their experience? You know, it's just like it's that record. Um, so I really like that idea. And I might take these two episodes and put them on like a, uh, I don't know, like a, like a, like a CD or, or, or something. I know it's online, but like a CD and then have a picture uh, of my brother and I in uniform and then just kind of have it. And then if it makes its way down the line and gets passed on, then like, like you said, future, you know, my nephews or my kids or, you know, whatever, they could always just push play and look at this picture of two brothers in uniform and, and hear about what they went through and what they did. And, you know, maybe, you know, 40, 50 years from now, our grandkids are going to be like, you know, my grandfather and great uncle 
uh, were both in in the war. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but they're like, yeah, they were in yeah. they, were, they were in the war on terror, and this is what they did for sure. Imagine if you had the record. Imagine if you had, you know, your great uncle Bobby, and I'm sorry, I forgot your other great uncle's name, uh, who, uh, who fell. Right. If you had a conversation between people in your line that you looked up to and respected, and and you could hear them as young men, you know, fully grown men, talking about stuff that was serious, and both of them having an understanding, like better better questions and better back and forth than any journalist could do, because you know each other and you love each other and and you you understood what the other guy had gone through in a way that no one else could ever understand who hadn't served and there's no agenda i want to make that yeah. there's nobody listening for specific things like yes i can take this and push my view or my point and it's like no 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 no. this, yeah. is, this is just raw you know like in cherry's family they've got a um an amazing record of her, her grandfather was a Korean War artillery officer. I know I've mentioned him before. A great man, mathematician. Yeah, moved to Australia with his eight kids in the 70s. And they had to have the account, the citation for his military medal where, where he was behind enemy lines in Korea as a Ford observer in artillery. And, and I read it and I can interpret and imagine the situation with my experience, but most people in the family couldn't. And I talked with him a lot about it and I cherish those memories. But it's so much better than a written piece of information to hear the actual person there talking about what, what happened. You know, like hearing from your brother that the the 7.62 millimeter round was dug out of the stock of his rifle later. That he he got off four magazines with one hand. I mean, I don't know, moving working parts to the rear and getting a magazine on and off with one hand. You know, I don't think there's many people who'd be able to do that. Honestly, I don't think. I think most people in that situation would, would have maybe got one mag off. To get four off, like we get it, like that that is something. And to get dragged, get drugged, as your brother said, dragged out of there and a tourniquet put on and him seeing the loss and thinking this is it and passing out and thinking he was dying. I mean, that is just raw emotion and raw experience. And it's a, it's an amazing thing to have recorded now. You know, there after after listening to that and and really diving in, you know, almost this past year or so. This is uh, episode forty nine, so we're just shy of one straight year of episodes, which is really freaking cool. Um, it went really fast, but anyway, I all this time and and thinking about talking about the stuff that we do, the responses that I've received from family, friends, from strangers, uh, you know, particularly about these last two episodes, it really helps me put things into perspective about what we were doing, why we were doing it. And, and I really like what he said is, you know, who we were doing it for. Yeah. And sometimes we don't think that deep. Sometimes it's just us and we're, we're in the, we're in the war and we're in combat or we're in this area and it's just us. Like, that's all that matters is the guy to your left and your right. And it's like, yeah, of course, like that's, that's kind of where you have to go in a way in order to focus and do what you have to do. But when you come home and, and, you, and you, you see people coming up and trying to do nice things, like they, they just will never understand what it's like to be in a place like that where not even combat man but just the whole this whole nother world like it's called the third world country for for a reason where there's no clean water you know there's people just suffering there's no education there's there's no anything and uh to to come back and then you hear somebody just be like hey thanks thank you for your service initially you're like yeah no like eh, i don't need thanks man like i know why i'm doing it and who i'm doing it for but at the same time, we talked about a lot of sacrifice and a lot of stuff that we've seen and been through and family and like, you know, co coming home to my mother on the floor. I mean, I, I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, as I was 18, 17, 18 years old, and I was just, nope. <laughs> uh, now that I'm, I'm on the receiving end of that, you know, I'm doing it. And, you know, my mom still worries about me every day going to work because I do high, you know, I have a high risk job and, um, going through it so she's always just like well if i don't hear from me i know you're busy and i know you'll get get back to me as soon as you can and i say yeah and you know i will but it's just like that constant question mark that unknowing the stress of just like well i hope he's okay you know all this other stuff 
not every family goes through that. You know, not not every person walking down the street constantly has their their mind or their heart on somebody that's that's overseas or in harm's way like that all the time. I mean, you can put that into police officers or, you know, firemen or like anybody else that's risking their life running into burning buildings or running into a, uh, you know, a school that's under, you know, with a shooter or something and just risking their life. I mean, you never know if when you say bye in the morning, if that's your last time. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of unknown there to deal with. And the fact that, uh, you know, I've been doing this job for almost, uh, you know, a decade and a half uh, and still have the people that worry and stress. And I don't know, man, it just puts things into perspective, especially when I hear it from my own brother is, you know, thanks for your service. It's just kind of like that silent, like, well, you're, you're kind of welcome, man, because I've been through hell for you, not just in combat, but just all of it, you know? So like, I'm starting to understand now who I do it for. And I know that's crazy to say because I've been doing this for a decade and a half, but it's like I'm starting to just understand all of it after I had so many experiences and stuff. So I don't know. I just wanted to share that. I feel like when you start out in a lot of these things, it can, you know, you're a young up and coming man or woman in your life and you're, you're making career choices and you're thinking about what you want to be when you grow up and, you know, the, the dreams and ambitions you have and stuff. And just by nature you're doing that for yourself like you you want to achieve and you want to you want to get a uniform on or you want to become a, a doctor or a nurse or you know you want to travel whatever that that thing is that you're thinking about you know and there's that's totally healthy that you're, you're thinking about yourself and it might not be until you know you reach your mid-30s and you have a conversation with your older brother and you're really talking about it that you get that perspective on on who you're doing it for and like it, you don't have to be in combat either, you know, like I know that we're obviously talking about you and your brother in that episode, but I really, it's funny. Cause I really got, I got a lot of clarity again, come descend on me about what I'm doing in my life now and who I'm doing it for and all of my plans and um, ambitions and stuff and the, the power of context that we can all generate in any moment. You know, the guy driving a truck can be, doing that to take those goods across the country to people who need it and he can be there he knows that he's providing for his family or his wife or he's building a better future that in any moment all of us can have a really powerful context that occurs in the moment of just thinking that thought like I got I was in Australia and I was listening to you guys saying, talking about that and I really got clear again about my kids when they were little and why why I do the things I'm doing and you know that I never wanted any to miss out on anything as a, as a vision impaired adult. And when, when we came out here, it really looked like she was not going to be an independent adult. You know, she really had severe issues that she's dealt with in an amazing way. And I was listening to it about, you know, who you're doing it for. And I think that's really worthwhile for all of us. You know, when you're in your twenties, yeah, you're doing it for yourself and you're building experience and you're gaining skills and, and uh, you know, and you should be doing that. But then at a certain point, you're going to get a lot of, you're just going to get, be able to hit another gear when it's, when you've got a, a clarity around who you're doing it for. And I, 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 That's great with, with all that. I really like how you put it. And it's just making me think how you're comparing, you know, we're talking about military service, but then you're, you're, you're switching it over to like the guy that's going to work every day, driving a truck and he's on the road for 50, 60 hours a week. And he's come home and he gets to be with his family for like a night just to, you know, they're making money just to make ends meet, to make sure you're comfortable, have food, have a place to sleep, you know? And I really like that, man. I, I just want to, I want to ask everybody that's listening is to take a pause and sit down with your family or your best friends or whoever that you really, really care about. And you have that and have the discussion about like, what are you doing and who are you doing it for? And I guarantee you it's for each other. And that's something that I learned about my brother and I is like, the more we talked about it and we talked offline too, but it was kind of like, man, we actually did a lot for each other and we didn't even realize it in, in, in ways, you know, but that was our primary thing. You know, I wanted to go because of my brother, you know, he was a huge part of it, but there were other driving factors, but that was still like, man, I'm doing it for my brother. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it to protect people I love. And 
And I, I wanted them to know that and feel that. And I still do. But I think if everybody, you know, you, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you bitch, you complain, you get up, you go to work, and it can get so monotonous. And you kind of lose sight of like what you started out to do, where you wanted to go. Your relationship kind of gets dull. Uh, you know, if it's with your, your, your wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, kids. And I think it's so important to, to, to pause and just be like, hey, I want you to understand like what I'm doing and why, like why I'm doing this for you. And don't let that get lost. Because after a while, I think we kind of turn into like zombies or drones and we're just doing it because we, we're, we're supposed to, you know? Yeah. And like it, it takes effort to bring us to manifest this stuff. And, it, you know, you, when you're doing the thing you're doing, you need to be in the moment. You need to be in that moment. You know, you need to be doing the thing you're doing and I'm flying. It's the same. Or when you're relating with someone at work, you know, you need to be there. You can't be drifting off, but it's good to have clarity around who you're doing it for and why like there's there's real power in that and just i'm pretty big on the context you know i talk about it a lot and this is what i mean when i say that and it was really good for me to hear you and your brother because it's so clear how much you looked up to him how much you wanted to follow in his footsteps and how much you were motivated by his experience and then to hear him acknowledge who you are now and what you've gone on and achieved and how much he respects you and looks up to the achievement of you as a, a grown man. That's a really beautiful part of that conversation. And there's, there's an access to that. If everyone, you know, if you're able to sit with loved ones, friends and family and so on, and just talk about what it is that you do and why and who you're doing it for and you hear their story, I guarantee that there's going to be, you know, a, a love that's present and a respect that's present between people that you're not necessarily going to get to when you're just talking about the weather and your day. Yeah. I, how many, how many times do you have the conversation regardless of who it is and you see somebody going through a very hard time, a struggle, uh, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, like whatever. And you, and you know that they're just pushing through how many times have they turned to you and just been open and honest and go, I'm doing this for you. I don't hear it that much. You know, no. you kind of think about it. You know, you want you you'd hope so. Like, I hope you're doing this for me. You know, but there's not many times where you just look at somebody and go, you know, you're you got that rundown face, you're you got the bags under your eyes, you're not sleeping, you're stressed out, you're you're just uh you're at your wits' end, but you turn to the person that you really care about or people and you just go, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, I'm doing this for you or I'm doing this for all of you. We don't, I don't hear that that much. It, whether yeah. it's a humbleness thing, I mean, like the whole thing about, well, just, you know, a real man doesn't do that. A real man stays humble and he just keeps driving, keep driving, keep driving. I'm like, well, you keep driving like that. You're you're gonna smack into a brick wall, and you're gonna and it's gonna hurt. You know, you need you need to have a little bit of uh, vulnerability, and you need to communicate. Uh, I'm tired. I'm I'm going through a hard time, but I'm still doing this because I'm doing it for you. Do you understand? And then I reckon the way to access the conversation is you can start by acknowledging them for what they do. Sure, and you can get in. You know that that's. That's the entry, the entry point into this conversation is getting clear with your mum or your brother or your mate or your, you know, acknowledging them for something real, you know, like you, you really let your brother know in that conversation and he really let you know, you know, and people can, it can be difficult to get past that then into the, you know, I want you to know about me. You know, if, if, if you're interested for sure and you're honest and you're, you're present with them, they're going to naturally want to acknowledge you as well. And you're going to get into that space. One of the big things, you know, like people can be like military service and um, people can get down on like the US and Australia and Western Europe and the UK. And it can be a very easy um, topic to pick holes in and point, point flaws with and so on. But I just, all of this big picture sacrifice has been made by people on the front line. And uh, then the layers of medical and fire and ambulance and police 
and everyone in there working in the community, doing their bit. Like I had a conversation with my brother-in-law who recently graduated as a, a policeman in the city of Melbourne and my, and his wife, my sister's a nurse and my younger brother's army reserve, my older brother's working in wine. It's like, if all of us do our bit, you get the whole society is running, you know, like the Western liberal democracy that we talk about and that we live in thrives when you have these people providing, you know, my brother-in-law is providing security for people in the city of Melbourne, you know, and my sister's helping people out with the nursing and, and my older brother's putting beautiful wine on people's table that they can enjoy with their dinner. And, and inside that, that's, this is where life occurs, you know, and we're all making our contribution. And then you see stuff like these Western liberal democracies, which can be criticized, you know, these are the people that in their lab coats are given the space to be able to work on the vaccines that are saving us all from the freaking coronavirus and so on. You know, like there's amazing things that happen inside that place that's been made safe by some people on the front line and people in the middle and people at home. And if we all get on with it, like there's amazing things that can be achieved here. And we're safe, like you can source yourself as someone who's contributed to us dealing with this pandemic, which has affected all of us, you know, but just by doing the, what you do in your day. You just made me realize something by saying that, man. And it's really crazy. Like all these names start popping up in my head. And, and I honestly, I want to, I want, I'm going to say their names just because it's very true. You having this discussion, we've literally talked about people that are doing their part and, and going out to help other people and, and why they're doing it for people. So my friend Brady, he was in he was in the army. Uh, he he did his he did time in there. I think it was in four or five years. He got out. Um, he did his part. His wife Katie is a nurse, and she works in the ICU with uh, with uh, a lot of COVID patients, but you know just people in really bad conditions. So she she does that. All my other friends, uh, you know, you Raf, my friend John is a uh, Pennsylvania State Police officer. Um, he's been my best friend for like 20 years and he's out there protecting people and doing stuff for people that he doesn't even know, just like your friend in Melbourne, you know, um, Kenny is a policeman, fireman, EMT. He's, he's out there doing stuff for people. He doesn't even know. And Shout I just realized my, my whole circle kind of is not just military police or anything like that, but it's people that are standing up and doing their part. You know, Tony's a doctor, and he's very passionate about just helping other people and who he, who, like why he's doing the job and who he's doing it for. I think that's such a great little line that's really just hitting me today. And I'm glad you brought it up because I'm, I'm looking at my circle right now and realizing that it is full of people who are doing great things for other people and, and they're and doing it selflessly. And it includes people who are building houses, you know, yes. like Casey, you know, he's providing shelter for people and, He's helping people get ahead and, and, you know, my brother putting delicious wine on the table so people can enjoy, you know, on the weekend and a, a beautiful meal or people working at a restaurant or businessmen who are the engine that's driving the economy and they're employing. I've got a mate in Adelaide, he owns a wrecking yard and he puts himself down all the time, but I think he's got 12 families that depend on that business and he's feeding their families and kids and he's providing a valuable service or recycling. Like there's just, there's all pieces. And if we can get a bit of clarity around what we're doing and who we're doing it for and why, I think we're all like, there's a, there's a thriving community in the West, you know, and this is what is beautiful and slimmer about your country and my country, you know, like different flags, but it's the same values behind it. And, and these, these, these values mean something. They really mean something. And they, we're all, benefiting from the people who are ahead of us who did the same thing my mum was a school teacher you know I know my dad was a businessman you know and what you're doing and who you're doing it for why you're doing what you're doing there's something in it for all of us you know two people I want to bring up real quick uh it's very important one is uh one is uh Pat Sowers he just turned he just turned 45 uh, the other day, I think it was Saturday. So happy birthday to Pat. But, uh, you know, he, he called me on, I, I called him, I texted him on his birthday and I called him the day after and was just like, Hey man, how was it? And you know, did you enjoy it? And I was like, how'd you, how'd you do it? He's like, well, I didn't take too much time. I, I went out to a little dinner and a movie. Um, because I, I, I worked, uh, I worked like 70 hours last week. 
And if you know him, he, he drives around, he helps people build stuff like putting up a swimming pool because it's so freaking hot in Texas right now. Putting up a swimming pool. I just saw that. Yeah. You know, for stuff like that, for, for somebody he, he kind of knows, but it, they asked him, he's like, yeah, of course I can do it. So I'll do it. And now they have a, a pool to have for the summer when it's stupid hot, um, going around helping families. He took one of the, uh, he's been mentoring a kid, uh, that the father figure isn't even in his life. And he's a teenager now for the last five seasons. He's, you know, I'll, I'll say it because it's, it's, it's a great freaking example of like who you're doing it for, but this, this kid's a great kid and I've met him. He plays basketball. Pat has secretly paid for him uh, to play basketball for the last five seasons and, and hasn't even brought it up. And it's not the point of bringing it up, but it's just like, he's doing it out of, the right thing to do as a, as a mentor, as a person and helping, like he wants that kid to be successful and be around a team, good, positive teammates and learn teamwork and leadership and all this other stuff. So like he's doing great stuff every day. It's literally like his mantra. Uh, and then the other person is Raph. Uh, last week I said that Raph and Mellon should be back this week. Well, I was 50% right. Mellon's back. <laughs> uh, but Raph, Raph, we've learned, is extremely busy right now. He's away from his family. Uh, he's working like six days on, one day off right now. So he's like, hey, guys, I want to I be part of it, but I'm, I need to focus on work and get a routine. And where he's at, what he's doing, I mean, he's out there risking it. And I know all he thinks about is, is uh, you know, his wife and his son. And uh, really makes me think of just like, man, you know, we're sitting here doing the show and talking about it, but he's over there doing his job and he's doing it for them. He's doing it for people he doesn't even know. And uh, that to me is just like, you know, his absence is a reminder to me right now about he's, he's doing it. He's living it right now. Um, so I just wanted to talk about them two in particular and what great examples are and everything else. So um yeah, that's it. That's I'm really glad you, I'm really glad you, you said those two, you know, like it's, it's the three of us on the, on the uh, podcast and Pat is obviously the uh, man in the background. So it's the four of us in not your average operator. And I think that that's a really beautiful place to leave it. Right. Like where thoughts and prayers to, to Raf, you know, happy landings and get the nose up in the turns, what pilots say to each other and uh, Pat on his birthday and I know he went and celebrated his birthday and built a pool for some people. And uh, all of us have got a community around us and all of us have got everyone who's got a job that we all moan about at times, but it was something that we all applied to, to get into and do. <laughs> there was a time when we would have given everything to get the, the job that we've got now. And, and, you know, you can't maintain that all the time, but it's good to, sit for a moment and just get clear again about what it is you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're doing it for. And I think there's real power in that for all of us. And, um, you know, maybe that's a good place to, to leave it. I'm, I'll be continuing to, to plan my trip stateside. Yeah. Which is just, it's just a crazy thing to think that, uh, you know, here's this Western liberal democracies have got the vaccines out and they're getting this thing under control and travel's starting to come back and, you know, the thought of being able to be together with a mate that I haven't met yet. <laughs> and we're a year in. We're a year in. Yeah. No, I, I, know my, I know my, my kids, well, I think I think Cherry told them that we're, we're coming, you know, we're like, man, I don't, I really don't, their little hearts would break. I just, I, I know Michael's going to go absolutely crazy when he sees you and Annie's going to want to show off rock and roll. Like a t-shirt said yesterday, <laughs> I sold myself a rock and roll. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and Annie's gonna. I'm just saying a couple of things right now. I was thinking about. It. I went fishing the other day with my nephew, and I was sitting out there. I sent you guys that picture of the beach and everything. I was like, you know, future shot to come. And uh, I was just sitting there thinking about Annie playing the piano here, and uh, her playing some Queen and like singing it with her, and just like, man, that that really was pretty exciting uh taking michael to see some of the stuff at work and like letting him see some things and you know like yeah i i know what i was like when i was his age and i saw this stuff and uh so i plan on doing some stuff like that and uh getting him some things and uh and then yeah just hanging out waking up and making breakfast and 
you know, hanging out for the day, having some frothies going out, having a barbecue. You can show me a little bit of Australian barbecue or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man, just the whole, the whole thing. And, and we're going to bounce around and go to so many places and see some things and just have a blast and make some memories. So the great, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like as soon as you've got a positive future, it lifts you in the present, you know what I mean? Like you can, without going sort of too far and setting yourself up for upset if things don't work, you can really just, you can generate something like, you know, when you book a holiday, you're on the holiday already, <laughs> you know, you could be at work where you should be miserable perhaps, but you're like, man, I'm on vacation tomorrow and you can be totally happy. And maybe on the last day of the vacation, you could be sitting in the jacuzzi with a cocktail in your hand, miserable because you're like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be back at work. So it's like having a positive future that you're, you're living into, you know, can be uplifting in the present moment. There's something in that as well. Well, you know? real quick, I like what you said is, is you create it. We, we as people, as individuals, we have the ability to create a an event or something to look forward to in the future. Like it is up to you of how you look at it and you can create it. And then you can have that excitement to look forward to. Don't expect somebody else to do it or anything else. It's just like this process of going through your guys visa, the flights and dealing with COVID and moving with four people and everything else is a pain in the ass, but you guys are making the choice, creating it. So then we can have something to look forward to, to enjoy it even more. And if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, then it'll happen the next time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like I've got no doubt. I've got no doubt that it's going to be an amazing time when we get together. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be happy memories made. <laughs> so maybe this is a good place to, to wind up. Yeah. Thank you all for stopping by. Um, you know, these conversations feel like a special thing to share. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had the absolute pleasure of being in the audience for the last two. And I absolutely take my hat off to you and your brother. Um, yeah, it's a special thing. And uh, this week feels like it's, a, it's a, an episode about who you're doing it for. And uh, I think we can all benefit from getting clear on that. So until next time, take care.